Welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. These are talks and conversations about the centrality of Jesus and his kingdom from our community. Enjoy. Happy uh, Labor Day weekend. What does Labor Day weekend even mean anymore? Anybody? Paid vacation. Paid vacation. Amen. What else? What, what, what do we like about Labor Day weekend? Barbecue. Who's getting on that grill? I think you're alone, man. Where's it at? Uh, like, nothing? Swimming? Does anybody swim? No swimmers in the room? No barbecuers in the room? Nobody likes Labor Day weekend. I get it. I'm glad you're here in the house of the Lord. That's what it means. Um... Yeah, football starts soon. Is that like, like I feel like Labor Day weekend's like the precursor for that? Look, all you sinners cheering for football. <laughs> uh, you needed to be here today. I'm just teasing. It's like the uh, pumpkin spice latte came out. Blah, gross. Sick. All right, I gotta fix this. All right. Well, I'm glad you're all having a good time. Um, We are starting a new conversation, what is Christian? And it's not because we don't have any clue of what it is. Um, But we recognize that the definitions are, 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 I wouldn't say very deep, but they're very wide. Very wide, okay? Like, you could be a Christian just because you grew up in America, right? Like, you could, you know? Or you could be a Christian because... Um, you, you, your parents were Christians, you know? You can be a Christian because you confess Jesus is Lord, you know? There's, there's a lot of things people talk about and think about when they consider this question, what is Christian? My heart for this series is not, though, to just, like, answer that question, although I think we'll examine some ideas and definitions about what it is. My desire for doing this series is out of a longing to see the world... <clears throat> come to know what that is. I want to see the world around us go, that's Christian. That's Christian. Because right now, I think when the world sees Christian, what do they see? Is it good news? Maybe in part, maybe in places, but there seems to be a dissonance between what perhaps Jesus and his early followers would have embodied and what the church and and the followers of Jesus today embody. Is that fair to say? Like a little bit? Okay, a few thumbs up and uh, yeah, I think so. Thank you. Um, All right, so I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you guys and I'm talking to myself. Um, This question does in fact matter, but it's, it's more than that also. It's that I've got friends and you've got friends and peers and maybe you found yourself in a situation where you've got to like defend what Christian is to them because they've got an idea and you go, oh, well, that's not, that's, that's not why I follow Jesus. Like, I'm sorry that it, it, the world looks like that and Christians can like put that front up, right? Have you guys ever been in a situation like that? Where you feel like somebody's misread you? or misjudged you, or perhaps looped you into something you're not sure that is you? 
Or maybe you've even found yourself in a situation where you're going, I'm not even sure I identify as Christian. Or, I don't like that language anymore. I'm a follower of Christ. Don't call me Christian. And I want, I want to wrestle with that a little bit this morning. I want to dig into that. Because I do think there's a dissonance. And I think we have to be able to be honest about it, talk about it. In fact, I think one of the best things that could happen today is that we, as a community, would leave here in dialogue with each other. That those we came with or those that we know, we would be choose to enter into, even if we're in disagreement, dialogue about this and to hash it out a little bit because it's important. Because our witness to Christ is important. And, and maybe that is at the heart of really why we're entering into this conversation. Because my concern is that in all the definitions of what is Christian, we might lose Jesus. And I've seen it. I've seen it in people in the church that I've, I've walked with for a long time where all of a sudden they get to a place and they're like, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I'm just out. I'm just, I'm just done. And I, I think that's some of us at times. And maybe we've come back from that, praise God. But, but that's real for so many but again, to, to talk about the dissonance, the gap there is how do we how do we close that? How do we move like somewhere along the line? We, we uh, Christianity has more celebrities than martyrs in it. That should cause us question. More consumers than disciples. That should cause us question. More. Americanism than kingdomism. That should call us into question. More spectating and less participation. We should call that into question. And it's not that spectating is bad. It's not that America is bad. It's not that it, 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 those things are inherently bad on their own. It's that when they begin to, when we begin to shift from the radical following of Jesus that once embodied who Christ in his early church was to this other thing. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? Why is it that the church doesn't always look like Jesus? Something's off. And I don't want to just point out there. I want to explore it together. Again, I think, guys, I'm not going to solve this. Uh, this is a conversation we need to be in, and it's a prayer we need to be in. It's an, it's a, there's an action that comes with this for every single person in the room. So just as an example, let's, let's look. Just, I just want to kind of make the case a little further. Matthew chapter 8, verse uh, 1 through 3, there's this beautiful story we get, and it, it was helpful for me to think about and imagine as I thought about today. So here's, here's, here's what it says. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, will you make me clean? Now, just pause there for a second. Think about this. This is beautiful and raw that Jesus is with the crowd. He's with his followers. He's with the community. And there's a person who's unclean who even in front of the community, even in front of Jesus, is willing to enter into a vulnerability, willing to come and say, hey, Jesus, if you're willing, Lord, if you're willing, will you make me clean? 
And, and I point that out because like, I, my hope is that others would come to where the church gathers around Jesus and, and, and they would say, okay, Jesus, would you make me clean? Would you, would you make me clean, right? And, and this is what it says after this. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. Now, think about that. Jesus said, I am willing, be clean. Now, are you willing? Because the church today, I think, is, is more concerned about the, the leper touching them than them touching the leper. And there, there's a dissonance there. There's a dissonance. Why is it that Christians have moved to a place of, I don't want to be around the dirty ones. I don't want to mingle with what's going to get me messy. And Jesus was like, yeah, I'm willing. I'll touch you. I'll touch when the world touches followers of Jesus, it should be made clean. But so often, it's the other way around. We think, no, we're made dirty. And that's the dissonance I'm talking about. And, and, and if that's true of us today, to some degree, you know, it's not all of us, not all the time, but to some degree, if that's true of us, if, if, if Jesus were to show up today, would he, would he feel welcome in our midst? Would Jesus feel like this is right where he belongs? Would Jesus be Christian if he entered into the world today? Now, Jesus does show up at church in the gospels we see it and at the and he gives this message about setting captives free touching the unclean again right and then at the very end of the message this is what it says truly i tell you he continued no prophet is accepted in his hometown and that's the question i'm asking guys is jesus accepted here today and, and, and there's a, we have to think about this kind of critically for a second. Have we entered into a form of following Jesus that's left Jesus behind? It says, I love the idea about Jesus. I, I love the, I care about the cross. I'm just not willing to pick it up. I love to worship a homeless man named Jesus, but I'm not willing to go have dinner with one. I, I love the idea, I like to say it, but I'm not sure I want to enter into it. Is this a house for Christ? Now, I know it is, I know it is, but I'm trying to invite us to wrestle with our own driftedness, getting away from not just the heart, but the activity of the gospel. I want to see us close the dissonance. You guys tracking? Still a very quiet group. It's all right. We're contemplative today. 
It's fun. Now, again, I've said it. I've, I've said it myself. I, I don't like to be called Christian because, well, it doesn't look like what we just talked about sometimes. And I don't always know what people mean by that term. And I don't think I'm like those Christians over there. Now, you all know what the Christians over there are saying about the Christians over here. Right? They're saying, I'm not like those Christians over there. <laughs> Pointing at you. And this is part of the problem. This is part of the drift. Right? We got conservative Christians and progressive Christians sharpening their arrows, pointing them at one another. And Jesus is saying, you'll be known, I'll be known by how you love each other. And we fire our arrows. And the world sees it. I see it. I don't want to be like those Christians over there. It kind of reminds me of when I was in a band and people would ask me, like, are you in a Christian band? And I would say, uh, no, uh, we're Christians in a band. Because I didn't want them to think we were just like a praise, you know, the Gaithers or something like that. A few people in the room know what that, that is. Everybody's going to go YouTube the Gaithers later. I dare you. Actually, the Gaithers are pretty good. Uh, but there's this embedded disassociation with what is, I, I don't know what you mean by that. And so here's the problem. Are we more concerned with what other people think of us? Or are we more concerned with making sure people think the right thing about them? Or is, are we missing the mark in both directions there? Because what really matters is what does Jesus think of you? Yeah. That's what matters. That's what we should care about. But we're so busy doing PR for our own version of Christianity that isn't it either. So we gotta, we got to let that go. we got to let that go. We gotta make peace with our brothers and sisters, even if they're all over the map. Because we have something in common. And what what we have in common should humble all of us to the degree that we're willing to sit with each other, worship with each other, and appropriately challenge each other without ripping one another's heads off. In fact, I think we could display what peacemaking is amongst each other in a world that desperately needs to see it. And it might not result in full-on agreement, and, but I bet it would result in some of that. We'd be closer and further. And if each generation could just take another step closer instead of further, then, then the world would know that we're following the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the age that destroys See, I want us to not lose Jesus. 
think the world thinks, I'm not sure I want anything to do with their Jesus sometimes. And I know sometimes we end up thinking that too. Well, if that's who Jesus is, then I'm out. And we've seen Christians do that over and over again. I've been there. But Jesus is the friend of sinners. And that includes them over there. As much as it includes you. Jesus loves you and I as much as he loves them. I think at times we care more about protecting our definition of Christian than protecting our witness to Christ. And that, that is deeply um, flawed. It's deeply flawed. We need to stop defending ourselves, comparing ourselves. What if we only compared ourselves to Christ? Now, that would humble us. And it should. I don't want to be defined by not being like them. I want to be defined by desiring to be like Him. And if I can enter into that space, if, if we can choose, make the decision... To, to humble ourselves before God, to stop pointing our fingers at everybody else, to stop trying to prove to everybody that we're whatever it is that we think we are, and just care about what Christ thinks of us, and, and compare ourselves to Him for a second, I think we're going to get an ounce of God's humility imparted into us. And that ounce is going to have great power with it. Because it's going to begin to trim off, shave off all those gnarly edges we've got. It's, it's, that's what he, God's humility does. When we realize, wait, a Christian, what a Christian is, is somebody whose singular focus is on living side by side with Jesus Christ. Whoa. Like, I, I don't have room or time or energy to fight those battles. Because this warfare that's going on is right in here. Because the transformation I must go through is deep and wide. The beginning of life with God is always going to be spiritual battle with ourselves. picking up our cross. We need that humility. We need the humility. Now, I know Christians aren't perfect, right? You guys know the slogan, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. I don't know how I feel about that statement. I really wrestle with it. 
Because I think it's statements like that that produce the dissonance I'm talking about. Because a lot of us are more interested in the forgiveness of God than, the pers- than God himself. And, 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 we, and we, we walk out our lives with this, well, I'm forgiven. But we have no intention of trusting the one we've trusted with our sins, with everything else. Like, why don't we trust God with all things? Not just what happens when we die. Well, I think the reason is because we don't actually necessarily want to be with him, if we're really honest, or we don't know how to be with him without really dealing with the self. But Jesus wants to deal with the self. He wants to to, to love you, to help you see you as you are in his eyes. He, He wants nothing more than to sit at the table with you. Yeah, Christians aren't perfect. And they are forgiven. But Jesus doesn't leave anybody there. His desire is to take us all the way. To to shape us. To mold us, to grow us, and to mature us. A.W. Towser says, a a notable heresy is coming to being throughout Christian circles. The widely accepted concept that we humans can choose to accept Christ only because we need him as Savior, and that we have the right to postpone our obedience to him as Lord as long as we want to is a heresy. See, he, he's saying that to say that Jesus, that I'm forgiven and that's enough, I don't have to follow and be obedient, that, there's no evidence for that. Now, I'm the first to say, like, if Jesus can find anything in you to bring you on up, he will. Have assurance. But that's missing the mark. It's asking the wrong question. Christ wants to live with you today. And that's the issue. The world is experiencing predominantly a people group that claim to follow Jesus, but don't actually follow Jesus. They claim to believe in Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they don't actually live as Christ invites them to live. And there's the dissonance again. There's the danger again. This is the issue we're facing. And we can do a little bit of self-examine to to notice where we are because we are in this spectrum somewhere. We are closing the distance or widening it. We're not neutral. You are not neutral. We've got to examine this. Have you noticed that sometimes we want to do good, but we're only prepared to do evil? Or that we don't want to do evil, but we don't know how to do good? 
That's the dissonance in us. That God wants to begin to make whole again. We've shifted somewhere between what we believe to be right and the path that we are actually now traveling on. How did you get from confessing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior to the road you're on right now? And maybe you're on that road just right and it won't be beautiful. Now, how do we get back on the path that Christ gives to us? There's the decision again that must be made. The choosing daily. Don't, don't fix the whole thing. Don't tear down the bridge. and like Just the next step. What next step do you need to take to get your feet, heart, and mind pointed back towards the path you are called to be on. You can do that today, right now. We've, we've drifted. We've shifted. And we do this with so much. We do this with our image of God. We do this with our own walks. We do this with our image of ourself. And again, this is the inconsistency that the world sees. Okay? Have you noticed that some of our images of God are really nice and beautiful and others images of God are really angry and monstrous it's like a good cop bad cop thing that ain't it that's not it in fact Jesus comes to reconcile our image of God because of this issue we read about this in Hebrews 1, verse 3. It says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the, majest of the majesty in heaven. Now, hear this. Just as Jesus reconciles our image of God, Jesus brings to us the fullest, most complete, most tangible expression of who God is. He embodies it perfectly because he is God. In that perfection, he then provides purification for us. He helps us move from what we aren't to what we are called to be. He closes the gap. That gap begins to close as our image of him is made whole in Jesus. So yes, it starts with the mind and understanding an image of God. But God doesn't leave you there. He begins to reshape your image of yourself and one another. And you can just keep reading in Hebrews to find that out. Who we are. He brings us into agreement this is why James says in James chapter 3, he says, hey, here's a question. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No, it can't. That's the dissonance. That's the hypocrisy. That's the incongruence. That's the long bridge. But don't hear me say that it's sufficient just to... Just to Make it look like we're doing what Jesus did, okay? I care that our actions look like Christ. That's, the goal isn't to get you to start acting like Christ so that the world will see Christ. Because actually, 
I would venture to say that you could do that, we could all do that, and the world, we'd still be exactly where we are. Because in that scenario, we're just doing dishes. We're just waxing the car. We're not fixing the engine. We're just doing the forgiveness again without the expiation, without the absolution, without the transformation, without the sanctification, regeneration, all of this beautiful stuff that that God is imparting in us as he purifies us. We could clean it all up, make it look all pretty and nice, and put scriptures on the wall. But that would just be a legalism. The real question is, and this is the question you can only ask you, is who are you in secret? Who are you when no one else is around? Right? Remember the Father sees in secret? Jesus tells us to go to that place? Because that's what counts? Like, Like, who are you when you stub your toe? Who are you when you are on hold with technical support? That, that you is you. That's the you that needs to come to the communion table today. That's the you that needs to go and pray. You see, we can't just show up and put on a smile. We've done that. We've tried that. No. The whole us needs to show up. Jesus says uh, in Matthew 6, verse 3 through 4, when you give to the needy, don't, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And he goes on to say, like, hey, don't pray out on the street corners. And again, don't hear the, like, you're not allowed to do that. The point is, don't go out there praying so everybody thinks you're all holier than now. Okay? Go in the closet. Go in private. Pray there. Where your father sees you. You don't need to be convicting, convincing to others. You need to be convinced yourself by God. When you think about the you behind closed doors, does that you know Jesus? Does that you have assurance in Christ? Because that is who Christ is calling out to. He's not interested in the performer you. He's interested in the being formed you. It's too, too different. If we don't live it behind closed doors, 
when no one else is around, it just, it, it won't mean anything. Because a Christian is a person who wants to stay as close to Jesus as they possibly can in every aspect of their life. It's not the person that's just interested in hanging out with them later. I am curious why we think we'd be comfortable in the presence of God for eternity if we're not comfortable with Him now. See, I think that's the illusion we tell ourselves. Don't lose sight of Christ. He is our hope. And it's up to Him to define the question. And He'll do that with you as you come to meet with Him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we... We just receive you, Christ, our risen King. We receive you as Savior, yes. We receive you as Teacher, yes. We receive you as Lord, yes. We receive you as Friend, yes. Messiah, yes. Redeemer, yes. We receive you, Christ, the one who loves us and gave us all. In Jesus' name.